Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Next up, we have Sean Baker, founder of Peak Performance. His centre is located in Adelaide. His topic will be discussing creating a systematic approach to programming for a private sector gym. Thanks for jumping on, Sean. Yeah, let's start with um, what are some key constraints to understand when designing a program for a high-performance facility? Yeah, so I guess probably um, where my passion comes to this topic is, you know, potentially, uh, and and you guys might have had similar experiences, you know, coming out of university, for example, uh, even even to an extent a master's degree. I was fortunate that I had lots of practical experience and, and picked up a fair bit through there. But, you know, being an owner of a, a private facility now and e- even facilitating interns that come through, um, you know, any of the, the, the football or cricket or lacrosse gigs that we have is that, you know, uh, programming is the most exciting yet overwhelming aspect of probably our job early on in our career. Uh, there's, there's so many times where you get an intern come in and I just sort of like to challenge them and ask them a question, you know, do you have a philosophy that you like to, to abide by? And I think, you know, social media is a wonderful thing that you get all the resources from all these amazing coaches, you know, that we have on this panel and and from a million other sources, you know, the wonderful man, Joel Seedsman, for example. Uh, you, you see all these, you know, exercises that are, are sexy, exciting, um, you know, some of them uh, are, have their place in programs but cannot, can, can cause a student or a new coach to be become overwhelmed, essentially. Um and they're just not sure where to start. So sometimes we see instances where there's a million exercises up in this cloud, this library that they've got of exercises, and they just don't know where to start. Um, you know, there's other circumstances where they probably just lack the knowledge, whether it's from a movement or a muscular point of view. Maybe it's just, you know, a exercise uh, library point of view that they – create programs that aren't really well-rounded. So, you know, we say, okay, create a, a lower body strength program and say, okay, a leg press, a trap bar dead, uh, a leg extension, a lunge, uh, and a front squat. And, you know, all in their own right, you know, can be fantastic exercises, but all put into that sequence can be, um, you know, obviously pretty imbalanced depending on what you're trying to achieve and who you're working with. Uh, and then uh, on, on the other side of the coin, you might get guys who have put massive amounts of energy into creating a program. They've, they've created this perfect program. You know, it might be dumbbell Bulgarian squats. They're doing single leg RDLs, uh, you know, um, cable abduction and so on and so forth. But they don't program with any foresight of where they're going to progress that athlete to or any hindsight of where that athlete has worked previously. Uh, and then probably the last thing that I want to touch on in terms of the reason why I think this is such an important topic, you know, aside from those new coaches coming through, is that all of us, you know, are involved in some sort of private facility. Uh, and I think creating a systematic approach to programming is a really fantastic way of ensuring, you know, those guys who start these facilities and become successful based on particular ideology and principles, they have that filtered down the ranks of their programming because programming can be quite, you know, individualized quite a you know a personalized experience for each coach and you probably differ in, in some sort of ideology if you can find ways you know so all the coaches that go out to athletes authority there is a hint of 
Lockie's ideology, you know, potentially his, his uh, plyometric continuum, or we were over there on the weekend, you know, talked about their, their um, rehab continuum and so on and so forth. I think it's important to have some sort of consistency from coach to coach, but still allow some sort of creativity. Um, so, you know, without going into a massive monologue, I'll try to pump through it nice and quickly. You know, for example, um, we think a really great starting point for the majority of our 360-degree sports, so you're talking about basketball, football, netball, you know, potentially rugby, these, these sorts of um, court and field-based sports, just purely from our, our experience, you know, certainly not written in any particular book. And you see themes of probably uh, uh, Coach Woody here because, you know, he was my era. I, I graduated my master's degree in 2015, so that was, you know, primetime Woody. So you start to look at, you know, your push-pull, um, squat hinge, lunge, so on and so forth. Uh, and then also, you know, more recently the, there's been the uh, the – the Lockie Wilmots of the world who have really impacted the industry. So you probably see a bit of a blend in terms of where this principle comes from. So essentially we, we think that maybe we can flesh it out a little bit further than maybe Woody's big six. We go to the big 10. So we do squat, hinge, lunge, and thrust or hip extension. Um, you know, we think they're, they're four primary lower body movements that probably need to be ticked off in about 80% of, of most circumstances if all, everything else is well and good. You know, push and pull, I like to separate those. I think vertical push and horizontal push are very different. I think vertical pull and horizontal pull are very different. And then usually in our trunk options, usually maybe like a rotation or an anti-rotation. So those, you know, the 10 big foundational movement patterns that we'll try to nail down. Mm-hmm. And now you're saying, okay, yeah, it's all well and good, bags. Like, so all fine, you say those movements. Well, how do you sort of decipher which one is appropriate? So usually the next thing that we get our interns and, you know, young coaches to do is – for each of those 10 movements, I want you to decipher what do you think is the most basic, regressed, unloaded, you know, uh, beginner variation of that movement pattern that you can think of, and then what's every little baby reaching step all the way through to the most progressed, um, you know, loaded, potentially unstable in, in some, some circumstances, um, advanced um, style of that movement that you can think of, and that essentially creates your movement exercise continuum you know we say continuums a lot again uh, Lockie has brought that into popularity i think it's good to use terminology that that people understand as well so essentially you've got 10 continuums and then from there it's about you deciphering as a coach using your your methodology or ideology to develop an appropriate movement screening or testing protocol that in turn will help you to decipher which level of each of those 10 movement patterns that person's up to so you know Look, they've got a wonderful squat, so we're going to get them doing you know, a barbell box squat, for example. Uh, but the hinge is a bit average. So let's just get them on the GHD just to get them into that movement pattern to start off with and so on and so forth. And then you build the other 20% of the program around you know, potentially uh, what are they trying to achieve out of it, what's their injury history, um, you know, it could it could factor into maybe it's as simple as, you know, some nice complementary exercises in there as well. So, you know, often if everything is all well and good, you can pair up your um, your hinging pattern with a knee-dominant hamstring. So you're hitting both both ends of the hammy. You could be, um, you know, complementing your hip thrust with some abduction work so that you're hitting, you know, two very primary movements of the glutes as well. And all of a sudden you've, you, you, you've, you've fleshed out uh, a pretty, I think, extensive and well-rounded program in a short amount of time, potentially working in a group scenario in a private setting, 
it could be quite highly individualized. So maybe every every person in a thirty person squad, you know, that's unrealistic. But let's just talk hypothetically, is doing a, a different squat pattern, a different hinge pattern, a different lunge. But really, the crux of what they're doing is all very similar as well. So that is essentially you know a bit of a um, a systematic approach to programming, really condensed that uh, that we do sort of implement at peak, so that you know no matter which coach you align with. At the end of the day, there is some hint of, you know, Sean Baker's programming there, um, and I'm really confident in, you know, uh, sending any athlete to any of our coaches depending on their availability and, and, and you know, the situation that uh, the, the content of what they're providing really aligns with what the peak brand is as well. Yeah, I love it, mate. Thank, thanks for giving us that background uh, on your philosophy and, and how important it is to, to like you mentioned, it's gonna, every coach is going to develop their own philosophy in their own way. Um, but don't get too caught up in in the Instagram early days. Right? <laughs> Try and learn off an experienced coach. I think that's great advice. And, and the other thing as well, sorry, just to chop you off there, is that potentially you know setting something out like that system can sometimes help you uh, you know conceptualize some some of those exercises. You know, does it fit into any of these patterns? Is it you know is it a squat? Is it a hinge? Is it a lunge? Okay, if it's not any of those, is it an accessory and potentially you know what what. Uh, as an accessory, what that could that complement, or what that could that address that is not being addressed in you know our big ten movements, yeah. uh, and then from there you know it, it, well if it doesn't do anything, it, it, what is there a genuine point why I'm implementing this in our program? The other thing I pro- should probably touch on, you know, I'm trying to push through here for you as well, is that we talked about those ten being really important for our um, three sixty degree sports. You know, we've got some track athletes we work with. And potentially, you know, I don't think that, you know, for our 100-meter sprinter that uh, a vertical push, for example, is really that important. You know, we might chuck that in there as an accessory, for example. So we've got a different set of parameters for our track and field athletes. So, you know, horizontal vectors are, are probably a, a lot more um uh, from you know, from a from a at least an upper body point of view, anyway, uh, are more important for us. And then you might say, okay, I really think that elbow flexion and extension is a primary movement pattern for a track and field athlete. So let's flesh out a you know a continuum for that. Or I think trunk anti extension. So or you, you know your planking variations too. So really, as long as you've deciphered what are the key movement patterns for the athlete or client that you're working with, and all the population you're working with. You know what? Are, what's the continuum of exercises within that movement pattern? Uh, that's going to make your life a lot easier. You know, and programming for potentially uh, a lot more people than you might do in a pro sector environment as well. Hey there, hope you're enjoying this episode with Sean Baker. We've had a more extensive interview with Sean on episode 120 on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. So if you're enjoying this bite-sized episode, make sure to scroll to episode 120 on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast to hear more from Sean. For those coaches that are working in sport and they're strength and conditioning coaches, but they haven't built that or they haven't taken that plunge, I guess, of running their own business and they're, they're making ends meet in another industry, um, but they want to take that plunge, uh, at what would be your advice for yeah, renting a gym or running a PT business? Yeah, look, I think the, the first thing is, and probably one that, again, is another common one that we come across is, I probably started the majority of the clientele that I was working with. Admittedly, was you know some of the the players' partners. To be honest with you, that you know just wanted to simply tone up. A couple of them had you know some little sort of sporting goals, triathlons, and things like that as well. But really, I was at a stage in my, in my life where 
to, to make ends meet. I just had to say yes to everybody and anybody. So I couldn't really be selective in, in um, you know, who I trained with and, and met some amazing people and actually you know, found that uh, received a lot of gratitude for, for working with, with, with all sorts of people as opposed to you know, just sort of ex- exclusively saying athletes. We've had a more extensive interview with Sean on episode 120 on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. So if you're enjoying this bite-sized episode, make sure to scroll to episode 120 on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast to hear more from Sean. And where does, you mentioned screening and let's throw testing in there as well. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you test and, and how does that fit in with your, your philosophy with these 3D 160 degree uh, athletes? Yeah, so from a movement point of view, we've probably played around with a few different variations. Um, you know, we've had uh, influence from uh, Ian McCown, who's high performance at, at Port Adelaide, who did his PhD on the AAA, um, and I did some work under him um, when I was working for Port Adelaide uh, Development. So, you know, that was uh, something we played with as well. Um, we're actually sort of just exploring now the the valve movement screen assessment as well. You know, there's some new tools there that we're going to have, have a bit of a squeeze at. You know, simply we've got some coaches that will do sort of just work their way through the continuum. So they might do a bodyweight squat. Yep, you've ticked that off. Okay, let's go into a, a split squat. Okay, that's good. Okay, let's go into a Bulgarian. Okay, that's all sweet. Now let's add some light. And they sort of work their way down the chain and maybe identify a point down that continuum uh, in which that they think there's a limitation or something they can work on. So we're probably really st- and still playing around with that. I, I, I still don't truly believe, you know, there's, there's one perfect – um, movement screen that we've come across yet potentially that that you know um, ticks the boxes for everybody we come across. In terms of performance testing, we're big on the force platforms. So generally, we do you know, a lot of counter movement jumps. We do the hop tests. We do um, iso mid thigh pull. Uh, they're probably sort of our, our primary strength and, and power measures. Um, you know, we do twenty meter sprint, but that's obviously you know as we've probably mentioned in in uh, a few of the presentation so far that we're probably limited in space in being able to really make some meaningful games in that you know there's probably some marginal gains in in your 20 meter sprinting outcome you know a couple of reactive agility tests as well but probably there's a little bit of um, variability in in terms of you know distances that can be covered depending on which you know test that you do and if you add if you are adding a reactive component as opposed to just a change direction but i would say yeah primarily um, our force platforms are what we rely on the most for, for giving us performance measures. And you mentioned earlier with individualization uh, for the sport, um, so that we, you, you, know, you, you tie that into their, what's relevant from, from them within your fundamental movement patterns. Mm. With, the, with the testing, how much do you go into that sort of force velocity profiling and how does that look for strength and conditioning coaches? Like how, how do you implement that? How does that influence your decision-making from a programming point of view? Yeah, to to an extent, I guess once you've you've worked through enough athletes, you've generally got a bit of an idea of, of where you're going to start to tailor, um, you know what you're after, and, and it can be dependent on the stage of the season as well, and potentially sometimes on what that client or athlete asks you or, or sort of tells you what they're they're looking for to achieve, but but usually we can paint a pretty good picture. So, you know, one of the things we utilise is, is a pretty simple, you know, DSI, for example. So we look at what is the um, you know, peak vertical force you can produce in a counter member jump. How does that compare to your peak vertical force in an isometric mid-thigh pull? Uh, you know, what's the difference there? Get a bit of a rough guide. You know, if they're looking at if they can only produce 
you know, less sixty percent or less of their you know peak vertical force in a cat and jump as opposed to them isometric pull, then potentially that rate of force development is a lot more of a focus for us. Um, you know, the guidelines talk to us from from the guys we communicate pretty um, uh, frequently with it. Vowed, you know, if it's somewhere between sixty to eighty percent concurrent training is pretty appropriate. And then conversely, you know, if you're producing eighty percent worth or more of your um, peak vertical force in a counter jump as opposed to mid-thigh pull, then let's just get those athletes really, really strong. So that's probably, you know, I would say in in most scenarios where we do a bit of that force velocity profiling. Um, you know, for some of our court sports in particular, we do look at, you know, RSIs on hop tests and things like that as well. Uh, and, you know, potentially for uh, a little bit of fatigue monitoring too. Um, so, yeah, I would say that they're, they're probably our, our goes to, to or go-tos in, in 80% of scenarios. I love it, mate. That's a great response. And, and no doubt all the SNCs listening in have taken down some good notes with the gems you provided there. It, it's a fun topic to discuss and we could talk about it all night. But Absolutely. overall, w- w- since running the facility and, and looking after the programming, um, what have been some big, big learnings in your experience so far to, to wrap it up this topic? Yeah, I think, you know, implementing it and, again, it's something that's been re- reiterated, you know, when we uh, have talked to the guys at Athletes Authority, for example, um, you know, you certainly want to provide that care and certainly, a, you know, a percentage and an extent of individualisation to each person you work with. But at the end of the day, if you, if you and, and it's something that Woody goes on about too, nailing those fundamentals is going to be first on your priority list. And you're going to drive yourself insane if you're sitting there, you know, for for example, working with 500 athletes. Uh, if you're going through and trying to highly individualize and, and simply, you know, change exercise progressions for the sake of it so that, you know, John's program doesn't look like Jack's program when inherently there's nothing really, you know, underlying that, that there needs to be a change for that there, then it's okay to, to have a little bit of generalization, uh, for example. Uh, I think just reiterating what a lot of the guys have said so far, I think what has really shown in all the presentations tonight is just how much this group of, uh, of panellists really care about their community. And I think that's helped us, helped us to thrive in, in a situation over the last two years that's been you know, challenging for our industry. Um, but we've been able to maintain more meaningful connections with our communities and therefore they've rallied around us more. We've been, been able to, you know, keep in contact during ISOs and, and be able to program some circumstances, you know, send out equipment and things like that as well. So I think that's what really separates, you know, this this, this um, small, or I guess well, I say small business uh, just because we, you know, we're not big chains, but, you know, small business uh, S&C facilities that, that genuinely, you know, have a passion for, um, being results driven as opposed to just following through as many numbers as possible. So, yeah, just keep caring about it. Care about your athletes, care about your people, and generally the money will flow afterwards, I think. Wrap up. Well, that's a great note to finish on, mate. It, it was a consistent uh, theme of, of discussion from, from everyone and um, probably a testament to, the, to how late it is at night, probably for everyone except for Chris. Uh, he's, he's peaking. It's almost two times, <laughs> is it, Perth? <laughs> Um, but no, I want to thank everyone. We won't do a, a Q&A at the end. I think there's been jam-packed plenty of information over the last two hours uh, and, and I want to thank everyone for the time. Um, Sean, for, for everyone that is listening in, mate, in the podcasting world as well as those that are tuned in live, um, where is the best place to get in contact? 
with yourself. Mate. Yeah, Enjoy. Instagram, peak performance, but we are P-E-A-Q and uh, it's not that I am dyslexic. It's just a little acronym there for personalized, evidence-based, applied and qualified. So wow, that's wait. clearing it up for a few people. There we go. I've spat that out a few times. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, so yeah, at peak performance on Instagram uh, and uh, yeah, peak or peak conditioning on uh, on Facebook and just www.peak.com.au. Fantastic. Well, well, we'll add in all the uh, links, websites, socials, and uh, all the information in our show notes. So for those listening in, if you tuned in late, uh, head to our uh, YouTube channel to watch the full recording, and we will um, release bite-sized episodes. So every presentation will become a bite-sized episode on our podcast, Prepare Like a Pro. So thank you for the guest panel, all of you guys for sharing your time, your experiences, and, and of course, your knowledge with us all. Uh, I've got a lot out of it, and no doubt uh, all the listeners have as well. And for everyone that's tuned in with us, um, thank you for listening in to this live chat. Our next live chat will be at, with Aaron Kellett, uh, the High Performance Manager of the Australian Cricket Team, next Thursday at 8.30 p.m. So that's the 3rd of March for those listening in there podcasting world i'll see you guys then if you enjoyed this episode and want even more our academy is for you the prepare like a pro academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as QA a segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level here's an example with emily Meehan, head sports dietitian from Collingwood football club what are things that that fire you up Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes. And, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the friendly conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So. I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, – I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know – or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it 
yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm -hmm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.